<clears throat> we got another just beefy and weighty psalm before us. Another, uh, you know, 42 verse psalm before us. And yet there's pretty much a, 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 a theme coming up over and over and over again in the psalm. It's then they cried out to him and he delivered them. And then this call to give thanks to God. This call to cry out to God. In fact, you know, just a quick outline for the chapter to set it up and then we'll dive into it is the verse three verses. He charges the redeemed and we'll talk about who they are and those he's gathered to himself to give thanks to the Lord. And you're gonna see that throughout the word of God. You're gonna see that throughout the Psalms. These Psalms we've been looking at the last several weeks, they're all starting with give thanks to God. And so again, we're gonna talk about giving thanks to God and the fact that it's, if, if he is your Lord and you're redeemed, that's not optional, it's a command of the Lord. And we'll talk about that. And we know that that's life-giving when we are a thankful people. You know, and it, it, it's life-changing and I've seen lives completely change when they move from being a grumbling, complaining, self-centered, selfish person that says, I'm just going to start counting my blessings and give thanks to God. That will change your life if you're not in that place. And we can abound in that all the more. Listen, then in verse 4 through 32, we get four pictures of the lost before redemption. And I think they're also pictures in some cases of even the redeemed when they're in a backslidden state and the results of being in those places, the bondages that come from those and the darkness and so forth. But praise God, in each of those examples, we actually see the same words being reiterated in four verses. Psalm 107, 6, 13, 18, and 28, it's all the same. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them out of their distresses and then there is a great little encouragement or word of exhortation truth and then psalm 107 8 15 21 and 31 are the same verse that says oh that men would give thanks to the lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men and then that's followed by a great truth encouragement or exhortation now a little side note here you guys that come out on Wednesday night, you know, with our children's ministry, our young disciples, we do something called disciple dollars. And so if they memorize a scripture verse, they get, I don't know if it's one or three or five disciple dollars, and we have a little store out there. And you know, there's blessings found in obedience. And, you know, we're trying to encourage these kids just to get more of God's word in their heart and even bless them in that, just with little candies and prizes and so forth. And I, I've, I'm, I'm going to give you a cheat code this morning for your kids that if they're wanting to get four times the disciple dollar for one verse to memorize these two verses and then just say Psalm 107.6 and then the next time 107.13, 107.18, and 107.28. And, and Pastor Steve's getting full permission for that, a full green light, because I want to see how many parents do that. I want to see how many follow up with the word and say, okay, time for a sit down here. You want to cash in on the next disciple, young disciple store night? Here we go, because listen, these are wonderful verses to get in their hearts, amen? amen. Again, this could change their lives, change the, the course of their life. 
And then at the end of the psalm, psalm, or verse 33 through 44, uh, we, we see another picture of the workings of God in drying things up to bring men to repentance as well as in God's blessings to bring men to repentance. And just the declaration, and I think this is huge for us, that he who is wise will observe these things. And they'll understand the loving kindness of the Lord and that even their tongues will cease from iniquity. So they'll move from complaining to giving glory to God. They'll move from blaming God to understanding man's fallen state and yet God's great mercy despite us. So we want to observe this this morning. And as I pray, we'll have ears to to hear and hearts to observe and then to go be doers of the word. Let's start here in verse one. It says, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his mercy endures forever. And so we see again yet another call to give thanks to God. But listen, we need to really understand this is more than just a call. We got to understand, again, this isn't a suggestion. This is a command. We've been commanded to give thanks to God. It's not optional. Maybe you've been with us the last few weeks where we see this charge. I'm like, well, I may or may not. I'll see how I feel. If he is your Lord, even all the more, we are commanded to give thanks to the living God. And listen, when we walk in his commandments, that's how we walk in loving the Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Love towards God is more than a feeling. It's more than a fuzzy Listen, the call to love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength, part of that is predicated on honoring God's word, not despising it, and saying, I want to walk in what God has called me to walk in. Not to be a legalist walking in my own rules and laws or trying to take my own personal convictions and throw shade on everyone else and exalt myself as a Pharisee, but I want to be holy and set apart to God and walk in the call that he has on me according to his word. And let me tell you, his commandments are not burdensome, but they are freeing, and that's where life is found in that life lived for the Lord. Also, the Lord Jesus said in John fifteen ten, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. And we talked a little bit about that in communion, how Jesus at every turn perfectly fulfilled the Father's will. He kept every jot and every tittle of the entirety of God's word. Would anyone ever dare, well, Jesus was like one of those Pharisees that came up with their own laws. No, Jesus rebuked them for that, but he walked perfectly in accordance to the word of God And absolutely, the love of God flowed through him as God, as the Son of God, more than anyone or anything ever in the history of the world. In fact, his love's demonstrated to us through the work of the cross of Calvary. And so we need to know that we are commanded to give thanks to God. But here, listen, to to move this from being something heaped upon you like a burden, we need to know that when we give thanks to God, we're expressing love to God. And when we say, I love God, but all I want to do is complain and walk in bitterness and, you know, pick up that lie. Why do bad things happen to good people versus, man, why does God bless me when I am such a sinner? We're not loving the Lord in that. We're loving self and we're even listening to the counsel of the wicked one. 
Again, obedience to God is love to God. A complaining, bitter tongue or a bitter heart is not a heart of love towards God. And hear this, it's also a life that will not be marked by the power of the Lord and the fruits of the Spirit. You won't be found walking in the greatest commandment to love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength if you are not thankful to the living God. And we're gonna get a lot more reasons this morning to give thanks to God at every single turn. And hear this, if you get this wrong, if you get loving God wrong, if you don't want to take up the mantle to give thanks to God, you get that wrong, everything else is going to be off. And go read Romans 1, where it talks about a culture of people who do not want to give thanks to God and how God gives them over to their own ways and you get to where our nation is right now. So much is off in our country and so much goes back to a lack of giving thanks to God and above everything and everyone, the people of God should be giving thanks to God at every single turn. Can we say amen to that? And listen, he's worthy to give thanks to because he is good. Is he not good? And his mercy endures forever. His mercies endured from last week that we talked about it to this week as we're gathered here again. The sun's come up each day. The moon's followed it each night. He's provided for us. He hasn't just smited us in our, you know what, rebellion and so forth. His blood covers us. And absolutely his promises to his people are yes and amen forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And all the evers you could say after that forever. Notice verse two. We get a specific charge. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Now listen, to redeem something is to gain or regain possession of in exchange for a payment. So a price is paid to regain something that's been lost. We've talked about this before in scripture. Biblically, you know, redemption, one of the pictures of it is to purchase someone who's been sold into slavery out of slavery and then a guarantee that they'll never be put back on the slave block again, but they are a freed man, a freed woman forever. And listen, we have been redeemed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Israel was redeemed out of Egypt. We've talked a lot about that the last few Sundays here in the Psalms, and we've talked a lot about it in our study in Joshua the last three, four weeks. But notice Deuteronomy 7, 7, the Lord did not set his love on you or choose you because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all peoples, but because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with his mighty hand. And then notice here, and redeem you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And indeed, we know that Israel was enslaved. We know that they were in a, uh, uh, an iron furnace, the Bible says. And they cried out to the Lord As they had the promises of God before them, they responded and the Lord purchased them or delivered them out of Egypt, then eventually into that promised land. And we know that came through the shed blood of the lamb, the Passover. When they said, I'll recognize I'm a sinner and I need a sacrifice for my sin. So I'm gonna take this lamb according to the charge of God and put the blood over my doorpost so that 
I won't be, you know, my family won't be affected by that angel of death. They were purchased out with even the blood of that lamb. And listen, that was a picture of forerunner, as we know, of the Lord Jesus Christ, the lamb of God who's taken away the sins of the world. And he has redeemed us. And just as Israel was redeemed out of the hands of their enemy, Pharaoh, who oppressed them, hear this, we've been redeemed out of the hands of our enemies, out of the hands of, you know, sin and hell and Satan himself and death. We've been delivered. Now it's a matter of learning to walk in our liberty, learning to walk in our freedom. And hear this, even our faith to grow to actually realize I have been delivered Really, the only power the devil has on me is the power I give him when I don't believe that I'm delivered. Do you understand that this morning? We'll talk a little bit more about that. Because there's a lot of Christians running around thinking they're in these bondages because their great aunt was a witch or something. You're in bondage as long as you believe that. But if you believe the shed blood of the lamb was sufficient and say onward and upward in Jesus Christ, that faith in the Lord absolutely severs all of those strongholds. It save a whole lot of people a whole lot of time too if the word was just taught on that. So we have been delivered and we are redeemed. Notice there 1 Peter 1.18, you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by the tradition of your fathers. Notice, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish, without spot. He laid down his life to redeem us, to purchase us. He paid the price. So he says, let the redeemed say so. And we say, we'll say what? Thanksgivings. Look at your redeemed. We should be thanking the Lord. We should be saying the Lord is good. The Lord mercies, they endure forever and ever and ever. And here's the thing. Just the fact that you're redeemed and saved from hell and have liberty in Christ, that itself is a reason to give thanks to the Lord 24-7 for the rest of your days upon this earth. And we need to know this morning that a tough day here, anyone have some tough days here? Maybe you've been having a tough week here. A tough day here, a tough week here, it's better than any day in hell. Any day in hell. And even if all my days get tougher and tougher and tougher, and listen, the forecast of life, tough is on it. What's, what's life for? Tough is part of it. But all of it, again, it's nothing compared to an eternity with God Almighty. And to know that he's seeing us through every turn and he is good and he's working it all for our good and his glory. Let the redeemed give thanks to God Almighty. Amen. He is worthy of it. And notice verse three, he's gathered out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. There's several applications in this. This is an application of, of, of Israel in the times that they would go into captivity because of the rebellion and the Lord would bring them back together. And listen, this is prophecy concerning these days that we're in right now. Because that prophecy to regather her is a continual one that is finally fulfilled at the end of the age. And we know here in this last century that the Lord made the way for the scattered of Israel to come back into her land. And what's amazing about it is the order given here in Psalm 107.3 and Isaiah 43.5 through uh, or 5 and 6 
It's the exact order that Israel was regathered into her land today. First from the east, from the Middle East itself. If you notice a map, Israel is on the far west of what we call the Middle East. And many Jews were scattered in those countries. And they began to come back even before she was birthed as a nation again overnight as prophesied in 1948 on kibbutz and so forth. They began to regather to that land. And then, you know what, first from the east and then from the west, from Western Europe. And some from even Western America and the Americas, they began to come back. And then they came back from the north as God made a way for Russia to open up. And there's so many Russian Jews, they began to come back. And then miraculously, and this is something people need to understand, Jews were scattered to the four corners of the earth and they've kept their identity. But at the same time, there was also somewhat of a mixing with people in the lands where they went. You go to Israel today, and those of you going here in February, you're going to be blown away of of what a melting pot it is of different cultures and so forth. But it came to the knowledge that there were Ethiopian Jews, black-skinned Jews, proven through their DNA, who actually kept the law closer than those Eastern Jews that came from the East, absolutely through most likely uh, King Solomon and the Queen of Sheba, you know what, going, you know, doing what they did. We'll just leave it at that. And absolutely, the doors open up for those Ethiopian Jews to come back to Israel. The amazing thing with that, some of you may be familiar, there was just a short window given to bring them back to Israel, and they only had so many planes. And they said, we don't really have enough to be able to get them all up to Israel And yet God performed another miracle in being able to get every last Ethiopian Jew upon those plains and get them back to Israel. Now, again, they're gathered together and soon, it's a secular country, but soon, especially through the tribulation, God's gonna breathe his life on them and they're gonna acknowledge Jesus as Lord. But this is what this is speaking of. And again, God's faithful to his promises to them and he'll be faithful to his promises to us. Because when we talk about gathering out of lands, this is also a picture of the church. God calls all to himself. He says, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And we get a little foreshadow of heaven there in Revelation 5, 9, where we see the church in glory. And it says, they sing a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll to open the seal for you were slain. And notice, for you have redeemed us to God. Again, the word redeemed, you've purchased us to God by your blood, notice here, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. What a glorious thing. And so let the redeemed give thanks to God. Let the redeemed say he is good. Let the redeemed say his mercy endures forever. Because here's the thing, if the redeemed don't say that, no one else is going to say it. Now we come to verse 4. And verse 4 through 10 is our first of Four kind of examples in teaching here on the deliverance of God and this call to give thanks to God. It says, they wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their souls fainted in them. So this is a picture outside of the Lord. Wandering about, trying to find life, trying to find the meaning of life, trying to find, you know, an inner life. Not finding a peaceful place to dwell. No doubt going to somewhere for a season or, you know, a a new season of life and it not producing the peace of God. 
No real satisfaction, but instead a continuing hungering and thirst in the soul and really even a fainting over their plight. Now listen, I know there's many outside of the Lord if you read that and they said, well, that's not me. You're not describing me. Your Bible's wrong. No, no, no. Listen, the word's right. Outside of Christ, this is a picture of mankind even when they think it's well with me i'm good i'm fine with where i'm going and i think where i'm going is a good place because proverbs fourteen twelve says there's a way that seems right to a man but the end of that way is death matthew seven thirteen. jesus said enter by the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction and notice here there's many who go in by it and then 1 Thessalonians 5, 3, talking about the world, it says, when they say peace and safety. So they're saying, I got peace. I got a good place to dwell. Then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. This is a picture of mankind outside of Jesus. Listen, this is also a picture of Israel when she refused to go into the promised land and wandered in that desert for 40 years. This is a picture of me before I came to Christ. And this is a picture of us even when we get backslidden and we are not really pursuing Christ. God, again, allows these things, as we'll see, to bring men to repentance and to bring men that know him back to that place of walking into the light of the Lord. Really, I think this is a picture of where the world is today, wandering in the wilderness hungry and thirsty, fainting. Jesus even prophesied about these days we're living in in Luke 21, 26, men's hearts failing them. Notice here, from fear and expectation of the things which are coming on the earth. Not just on the things that are on the earth, but the fear of what's coming upon the earth is causing them to faint and say, woe is me. And listen, I think this is an all-time high right now where people are so worried about what's next What's going to happen? You know, interest rates as they begin to climb and so forth. And people are saying maybe it's going to hit 10%. And someone's payment at 3% on their mortgage was maybe a couple thousand dollars. When it hits 10%, you're looking at $3,600 a month. And most of it's going to the bank. And people say no one will buy, no one will sell and so forth. These seasons happen with economies. It's part of a fallen world that we're in. And sometimes the Lord allows these things to come so men would see our sin has brought trouble upon us. It's time to cry out to God Almighty. That's my prayer for our country. And then notice verse six. Again, they're wondering, but notice verse six, it says then. And praise the Lord for words like but, nevertheless, and then. Because this is indicating then something happened, then something changed. Notice, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. Like so oftentimes, we, oh, trouble, 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 so bad. Yeah, trouble's bad, but trouble can be so good. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. And he led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city, <coughs> excuse me, for a dwelling place. Listen, the Lord first called out to them. He's always the active party in our salvation. The Holy Spirit convicts men of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He's calling out to all saying, come to me. But men have to come to the place. When I, mean, when I say men, I mean mankind, men, women, whoever. They have to come to that place of brokenness and cry out to the Lord. He's knocking, will they respond? 
or will they continue to harden their heart in their trouble? And notice here again, in their trouble and in their distresses, they cried out to God. Trouble can be the very best thing for a sinner. Trouble can be the very best thing for a backslider. I have found in my life, the more I sin, the more trouble comes. Maybe I'm the only one that's discovered that. Again, I look at our country and we look around and we love our country. We pray for our country. We appreciate our country's, you know, Christian heritage. But our country is in a lot of trouble right now. It really, really is. And it's in a lot of trouble because there's been a lot of rebellion. There's been, as we'll bring out in the psalm, a lot of despising of God's word. There's been a lack of thanksgiving. And there's a lack of, again, giving glory to God. And as I already mentioned, a lot of trouble is in the forecast right now. And I would say all the more in the midst of a lot of trouble, all the more, let's all the more point people to Jesus Christ. Because there's a lot of people even walking around knowing they're in trouble where five, six years ago, they thought it's all good. And now they're saying, "Uh uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Things aren't looking good. Look at most revivals in the history of the world have come either before or right after war or after a great depression or in the midst of, uh, uh, you know, what, a, a great tragedy, tragedy or, or natural disaster or so forth. And we'll see even in the text here today that God allows those at times to get men to wake up out of their aimless conduct because he's more concerned about their eternal soul than their short time here upon earth. But praise God, when we cry out of our trouble and out of our distress, he doesn't say, well, listen, you've been there. You're too much of a troublemaker for me. Aren't you glad you didn't say that? Well, you know, you're, you know, no troublemakers in glory. Glory is going to be filled with troublemakers that have been washed and cleansed by the shed blood of the lamb. And hopefully we move to making trouble for the devil, right? And making trouble for, you know, those that, that, that want to lead people astray. But we call and he does deliver us. And he leads us to the right way. I love first, or excuse me, second Corinthians 1, 9. It says, yes. We have the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who, excuse me, raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us in whom we trust that he still will deliver us. So he delivered us, he's delivering us, and he will deliver us. Give thanks to God. Give thanks to the Lord. And again, he delivers us to the right way. And we know that he is the way and to a city which is even more so a fellowship with him. And then notice verse eight, with this great truth stated, it says, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. He satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Again, oh, that men would give thanks. Oh, that we would give thanks. Oh, that we wouldn't be short-sighted. We'd see past the end of our nose and give thanks to the Lord over and over and over again. And give four times this verse is repeated in this psalm. Oh, that men would give thanks. But again, so many spend their life about aimless conduct, doing this, that, and the other, giving praise to men, praise to idols, praise to self. And he's saying, wake up, O man, and give praise to the Lord. Again, I've shared it at least once in the last few weeks, but James 1, 16, do not be deceived, my brethren. Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father, <coughs> excuse me, of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. 
every good gift, including satisfying a longing soul and filling a hungry soul with goodness. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for these shall be filled. May that always be us. A hunger for the Lord. And I'll tell you, when that hungers for the Lord, and generally we hunger for what we present ourselves to, but the thing is when you present yourself to the Lord and you're hungry for the Lord, the Lord satisfies. I had a few days this week, actually it was Thursday and Friday. They were so busy. The days were so busy and it's not an excuse. I did have time in the word to to study for the passage, but I always try to separate study time from my devotional time. I don't wanna mix those. And I had a couple of days where where I wasn't in the word. And Friday night, I'm laying in bed and, and, and I just felt this like, this, this groping, like I need the word. I got a hunger in my soul for the word. And I'm like, I probably should turn on the right, right, light right now and, and read. And again, praise God, he's gracious to troublemakers. I said, I'm so tired, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to sleep, but I'm so looking forward. You know, like, like if you're maybe you're looking forward to a breakfast or that nice coffee, I had a hunger like that. I can't wait to get in the word. And I got up and I, I opened the word. I'm reading through Judges in my, in my devotions right now and read four chapters about Samson. That's a troubled man in many ways, but God uses troubled men too. And uh, about the, the Danites and read about Lake, Lake, Latius, which is a city up north, which we'll see in Israel and so forth. But as I read those, those four, five, six chapters, whatever it was, I can't tell you guys how just, that's just like satisfaction came to my soul. And the Lord just ministered and, and it wasn't even necessary all the, the stuff there was just spending that time with the Lord. God, give us that hunger for you that it'd be like missing a meal. Oh, I gotta get God's word in my heart. I gotta cry out to God and he fills and he satisfies and the fellowship was so good and it's available for us. Now, verse 10 through 17, he gives another example. Those who sat in darkness and the shadow of death bound in affliction and irons Notice why, because they rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, he brought them down in their heart or down, he brought down their heart with labor and they fell down and there was none to help. I think of Egypt here in Deuteronomy, it says when they were in bondage, it was an iron furnace. And it reminds me here where he says they are afflicted in irons and they begin to as I'll get ahead a little bit, you know, it's coming. They begin to cry out to God in that bondage. I think where it says they sat in darkness in the shadow of death. I think about Jesus when he came in Matthew 4. It had been prophesied in the Old Testament that he'd come to Zebulun and Ephtali. It's basically where the Sea of Galilee is. And it says he'd come to a people who sat in darkness. And I think about, again, us and me before we came to Christ. Ephesians 5, 8, it doesn't just say you sat in darkness. Hear this, it says you were once darkness. We were in darkness. We didn't have the light of the Lord. God did not indwell in us. God's not everywhere and in everything. He doesn't dwell in the unbeliever that sins aren't covered. That fellowship's not there. And that needs to be shouted from the rooftops because that's a lie that's come into the world and even to much of Christianity. You know, people go on some mission trip and there's a pagan there. I looked in and saw the eyes of God. You might've seen someone created in the image and likeness of God, but unless they call upon Jesus Christ, no one's getting a pass into heaven. I don't care what culture you're from. We are darkness outside of Jesus Christ. And that's where we sit, bound in afflictions. And notice because they rebelled against the word of God, it started back in the garden. 
when Eve rebelled against God's word and Adam rebelled against God's word and they said, we'll be our own God. And you see it in the lives of people when they rebel against scripture. You see it oftentimes in the believer's life when they start despising the word of God and it saddens me. There's so many corners of Christian today that despise God's word. Or they say, we just want this part of God's word. We don't want this part of God's word. And let me tell you this morning, that will not serve your soul well. That's a road into bondage, a a road into into, uh, affliction, and usually a a road into deep bitterness. A lot of bitter Christians running around, well, I despise the word of God. Man, you deserve hell. Get on your knees and give thanks to God for a shed blood and start getting God's word in your heart and watch your life get revolutionized and revived in Jesus Christ. Again, the lost, they don't have God and Praise God, the believer, God will correct them. But until we call upon him, as it says here, none can help. You got to humble your heart and call upon the Lord. You got to turn from the inner and inner man and turn to the upward God. And praise God for verse 13. Again, that glorious word there, then. Thank God for then. Thank God that he is merciful and he gives opportunity for then to come. Aren't you glad that he gave you mercy and got, brought you to the then place? Then they cried out to the Lord, notice in their trouble. I chuckle sometimes, I'll talk to a mom or a grandma and their kids so rebellious and so despises God's word and they keep getting in trouble and trouble and trouble. Oh, Pastor Steve, pray for my son. They keep getting in trouble. No, I wanna pray that that trouble brings them to their knees. I just want him to be a good citizen. His soul's going to hell unless he repents. He's going to do two years in state penitentiary. Might be the best thing for him. Maybe he'll call out to the Lord there. I know this trouble brought me back to the Lord. Trouble on trouble on trouble. It's like everything I do, I'm a troublemaker and trouble just keeps coming upon me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you that you... Don't bless sin like that. They cried out in the trouble and notice he saved them in their distresses. Aren't you glad? Again, he didn't say, well, no troublemakers here. But he says, I invite all troublemakers to call upon my name. And he brought them out of the darkness and the shadow of death. And notice, broke their chains in pieces. Did you read that? I run into a lot of Christians that say, well, I'm saved, but I got all these bondages. And maybe so to a practical degree, and we got to work through things and learn to walk in our freedoms. But let me tell you, the devil's duped the body of Christ in many ways. Well, I practiced a little bit of witchcraft, so there's a bondage on me. And now, you know, I got this spell on me everywhere I go. Or again, my third aunt on my mom's side practiced witchcraft somewhere. I had to work through this because I have a history, a a genealogy of not just people that practice those things, but were major players in the United States of America. A great-great-grandfather who was the bodyguard of Brigham Young and Joseph Smith, who was the captain of the Danites, who murdered almost 100 people, who had uh, 10 wives and 60 children. A great aunt, or an aunt, uh, Annalise Scarin, who wrote a book, Ye Are Gods, that brought, helped bring the New Age movement that sold 
millions of copies into the United States of America. A great aunt, uh, Minerva Titric, who is one of the, the, considered one of the greatest artists in the history of Mormonism, and her paintings are on most of the temples in the world. And you start looking at all that and hearing all that and, 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 and all of the roots that come out of that great wickedness and witchcraft and rebellion. And I remember getting saved, going, I'm set free, you know, coming, really coming back to the Lord. As a young man. I'm set free then, you know, hear someone, but you probably got all these bondages because you're great. That's your sin. That ain't my sin. Jesus Christ became a curse for me and broke the bondages. But here's the thing. The enemy gets power when we walk in fear and we don't walk in truth. Maybe you're in that place and you grapple and you wrestle with it. Jesus Christ broke the bondage, put faith in the Lord that you're set free and you'll be set free. You'll be set free through with the Lord. He's either broken it or he hasn't. Did the cross cover it all? Did he break all the curse or did he not? I read here he broke the chains in pieces. That means they're devoured. On my end, I just got to believe that. And then learn to walk in that. That's probably a huge part, learning to walk in my freedom, but knowing I am free. And I denounce these people that say, well, no, you're in bondage. Jesus broke the chains. He broke the chains. Show me the scriptures in the New Testament where they all gathered around. And so we're going to get a a demon dumpster here. And you got to go through your ancestry and renounce. That's not found in the Bible. I'm sorry. That's not found in scriptures. You know what's found in scriptures? Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, curses that everyone hangs on a tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come up on the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. Notice that we may receive the promise of the Spirit through, are you ready for it? Faith. Faith. Verse 15. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Again, he's set free. Are you giving thanks yet? Are you giving thanks yet? Is our thanks growing? I hope it is. For he has broken again the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron into, again, reiterate it, he's broken those things. But if you don't want to believe it, the devil says, I can work with this. You don't want to walk by faith? I'll get on this all day. I'll convince you again. Your fourth uncle on your father's side who was supposedly a warlock somehow has some enchantment and you're in bondage over here because of it. That's dude's sin. Jesus has set me free. He has set us free. We come from a, from a, a, a lineage of sinners, just so you know. It's all rebellion before God. In that sense, it's all witchcraft. It all is. Some people just take more pride in it and want to, you know what, believe these lies that they have some sort of power or something when they're just a puppet of the devil. 17 through 22, another example. Fools, because of their transgressions and because of their iniquities, were afflicted. Their souls abhorred all manner of food. They drew near the gates of death. Again, it's a, it's a picture of sin before Christ. Notice here, verse 18, they abhorred all manner of food. You know, really, as I studied that and thought of that, God gives us good things to enjoy like food. He gives us good things to enjoy like in marriage, relations, and so forth. But when people want to do things their own way, I think especially of the area of of sexual intimacy, a man and a woman, and when men 
or women just want to feast on pornography, then they even begin to abhor their own spouse. Instead of saying, look at this is the well God has given to me. I'm going to drink of this and that abounding and that love growing and even that attraction growing. But when they feast on the things of the world and sin, they even start to abhor the things that are good because they're abusing it. If you take something good and you don't use it in a good way, you'll come to even hate that thing that is good. God has a better plan and a better way. Notice verse 19, then we see it again. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them out of their distresses. I love this. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their own destructions. Again, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That then is for everyone. He sent his word to heal them. The word became flesh and dwelt amongst men, Jesus Christ. And then just the word of God. The word of God delivers us. If you need your mind renewed, you say, okay, Steve, I believe you, those bondages are broken, but I live like they lived. You need to get in God's word to renew your mind and begin to learn to walk in what you're called to walk in. And he'll meet you where you're at. But we are liberated from those things. That's the things that we were. And it saddens me to hear this push today of people taking up their sin and including it in their Christianity when that's completely unbiblical. Hear this this morning. There's no fornicating Christians if you're born again. There's no swindling Christians. There's no gay Christians. There's no alcoholic Christians. You're a Christian, man. Those things and those that practice those things won't inherit the kingdom of God. Now, you might have an issue of wrestling with those things. That's part of learning to walk in who you are in Jesus. Bring that before the Lord. Bring that before God. Bring that into the light. It might even be a lifetime struggle, but never take that as your title when that's been broken and that's not who you are. But as I've been touching on, these things are really coming into the church and really what it is, it's trying to make a room for those that practice those sins within the body of Christ And it's the devil wanting to bring a leaven into the church to have it grow. And we need to be mindful of that. I praise God when I came to the Lord. It was like, that's what I was. I got some issues here, but that's what I was. That's good news. Thank you, Jesus. And here's the thing. People really coming to the Lord, they acknowledge their sin and they want to wash. They don't want to identify with it. They don't want to have that title on them still. These are dirty lifestyles that are very destructive. And again, notice when men are crying out in these Psalms, they've come to the end because of all the trouble their lifestyles have brought. And they're saying, Lord, deliver me out of this. I want to be washed of it. I don't want its title on me. I don't want to participate in it. I want to be set free from it. And he delivers Again, oh, that men would give thanks for his goodness and for the wonderful work to the children of men. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Well, I don't feel like giving thanks. Well, then make a sacrifice of thanks and give them thanks anyway. That's what this is saying here. 22 through 32. Those who go down to the sea in ships who do business on great waters, they see the works of the Lord, his wonders in the deep sea, for he commands and raises... The stormy winds which lift up the waves of the sea, they mount up to the heavens. They go down again to the depths. Their soul melts because of trouble. 
They reel to and fro, stagger like a drunk man, and are at their wits' ends. And again, it's a picture of merchants on the sea, and I think it's a picture of merchants in mankind. The sea's oftentimes compared to mankind. We know out of the seas, the Antichrist will rise. And even in their doings, they see the good things of God, but they continue again to rebel against God, and it brings them to their wit's end. That's a good prayer for the unbeliever. Your little son or whoever it is, they're in rebellion and the prayer. And I, and I get you want your kid to be protected and stuff. But again, Lord, every time they do wrong, just deliver them. How about, Lord, bring them to their wit's end. Bring them to that place where their soul is melting. That they will look up and cry out to God as they realizing they're staggering back and forth like a drunk man and need to be put on solid ground. Verse 28, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he brings them out of their distresses. He calms the storm so that the waves are still. Then they are glad because they are quiet. And he guides them to their desired haven. Boy, you cry out to God and everything changes. Look at at his his word, the seas are calm. And I think of Psalm 23, it says he brings us by still waters. A storm can become peaceful like that when you genuinely call upon the Lord. 31, oh, that men would give thanks for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of the men. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the company of elders. Again, give thanks. Give thanks in your heart. Give thanks out in this fallen world. And this is a call when we gather together and it's a call to gather together. That's a command to give thanks to God. Something happens when you live in a complaining, bitter world, when you get into a room of people who love God and they start giving thanks to God. God's glorified. Our chief call is to glorify God. God inhabits the praises of his people. Others are built up through you giving thanks to God. And when we gather again, we have hands to even lay on one another to give thanks to God, touch my brother, touch my sister, so on and so forth. Let's not forsake that as is the manner of some and so many even today. And I just laugh at it because isolation biblically is is unbiblical. (laughs) At the beginning of the whole pandemic thing, I'm like, why don't we just go with the word? If you're sick, stay home and wash your hands. The Bible says a, 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 a basically a fool isolates himself and raises, rages against all wise judgment. And now even the people that said, you got to do it, said, well, I didn't say to do that. Someone else said to do that because of all the damage that came out of that isolation. Fauci, I didn't do it. Someone else, you liar. I heard you say that over and over. I'm praying for your salvation. Let that not be the body of Christ. Let's gather in the assembly and give thanks to God. Notice 33 and 34, he turns rivers into wilderness and water springs into dry ground and fruitful land into barrenness for the wickedness of those who dwell in it. It's to get their attention. Again, this country is in a lot of trouble. It goes back to the wickedness of men. Because it's not only just a a spiritual judgment 
When you sin, there's ramifications that come out of it. When your aim is to destroy the nucleus of the family, it's going to destroy a culture. When you promote in the 60s free love, just go sleep with whoever, whenever, you're going to destroy a culture. When you say, hey, that baby is an inconvenience, let's just take its life, that's going to have ramifications on a culture. I don't want to hear anyone complaining when Social Security runs out when you kill 60 million contributors to the economy. Think these things through and you'll see. We just want to go worship the earth and oppress people. Listen, God's put people on the earth to take care of the earth. This earth belongs to us. We don't belong to the earth. You just want to promote gross wickedness. You can have wicked people and low character people who aren't willing to stand up for truth and righteousness. And I think our constitution in the hands of a wicked people, even the forefather said, the founding father said, that will be a disaster. Pray for our country. Pray for our country. Notice he turns wilderness into pools of water and dry land into water springs and he makes the hungry dwell that they may establish a city for a dwelling place and he sows fields and plants vineyards so that they may yield a fruitful harvest. He also blesses them and multiplies them greatly. He does not let their cattle decrease and you could say while we're in trouble, God still allows these things to go on as well. Why? That his goodness would lead us to repentance, Romans 2, 4. And it's also a picture of the individual when they call out to the Lord. Notice 39, when they're diminished and brought low through oppression, affliction, and sorrow, he pours out content on princes and causes them to wander in the wilderness where there is no way. So he's saying no one's immune to these things. And then verse 41, yet he sets the poor on high, far from affliction and makes their families like a flock the righteous see it and rejoice and all iniquity stops its mouth. So in other words, he's saying even when there's ramifications on a culture, we can be set, set apart from that by humbling our hearts before the Lord. The poor here is not talking about the impoverished. He's talking about the poor in spirit. That would say, I'm gonna call out to the Lord though. And yes, there'll be effects of a fallen world, but When you're in God's economy, you know, God's going to supply my needs and I'm going to have the joy of the Lord in the midst of all of this nonsense. I'm going to sit and rejoice and looking at all of it, it should stop my mouth from spreading iniquity. I should not be spreading and I should not be complaining and being full of bitterness and kicking rocks and, oh yeah, God and this and that. I'm telling you, I've been around long enough. I've seen Christianity change in so many ways in America. Where it seemed like the, 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 the Christian was the thankful person and the person that rejoices and loves God's word. And I know so many people, they name the name of Christ, whether they know Christ or not, I don't know. But they're bitter and they're angry and they're angry at the word and so forth. And I just sit over here and I'm crotchety and I'm out of fellowship. And they think they're justified in it or God approves of it. All those hypocrites are in church worshiping today. I'm sitting over here doing my own thing. You know anyone like that? It's just, it's abounding all over. Man, you deserve hell and so do I. Humble your heart and call out to God and start loving your brothers and sisters in Christ who actually are a lot like you. Because when you don't want to go to the assembly, you don't want to love the body of Christ, you're not loving the head of the body, Jesus Christ. 
And then he closes verse 43. Whoever is wise will observe these things. We ask for wisdom, don't we? Wisdom comes from asking, but wisdom also comes from reading and having biblical goggles on and seeing things through the scripture. There's a ton of wisdom here that they'll understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Fools want to shun this though and come to their own conclusions. Oh, there's evil in the world. That God, oh, how dare he? Bro, man sinned in the garden and said, I'll be my own God. God said, you do that, death's coming. That's an easy question to answer. What's the solution? Then, then they called out to the Lord. That's the solution. Let's stand up and close in prayer here. Well, Heavenly Father, we bless you. We praise you. We give you glory and honor. I just thank you for your person. I thank you for your word, God. Oh, Lord, your word never fails. Lord, your word never disappoints. Lord, your word renews and sets men free and it nourishes our soul. It brings glory to your name. Let us be found a people abounding in your word, observing things through biblical goggles and with the word before us that we would understand the loving kindness of God, the goodness of God, the mercy of God in the midst of a fallen world. Forgive us for our bitterness, our complaining tongues. Lord, when we fall into the pattern of fallen men that need you, And if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, you've heard the call to salvation. Look at our sin separates us from God, but as we talked about in communion, Jesus Christ laid down his life. He is the bridge to God. Have you called on his name? Have you cried out to him? This isn't a, well, let me try God. This is, I am a sinner. Forgive me, be my Lord. I cry out to you, save me from my sin. Save me from hell Woe is me, meet me where I am. He will do that. He will meet you where you are at. Lord, let us lift our voices and give you praise as we close. Let's worship the Lord.
Amen. Well, God bless you. I pray you have a wonderful day in the Lord. Just encourage you to encourage others. And we got almost a half an hour before the next service. Fellowship and be blessed in the Lord. God bless you.